Annyeong. Welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake, in Arrested Development Podcast. I am your host, Darren, and with me today, I have two guests. First of all, I have uh, Tim Fargus. Hello, Tim. Hello. Previously a guest on uh, Cast Next Door. That's right. Yeah, and I also have, from the Blockbuster Dropouts Podcast, I also have Dan Costa. Hello, Dan. Hey, guys. And today we're going to be covering the second episode of Season 3, which, appropriately for me, is called... Um, it was broadcast on the 26th of September 2005. It's written by Mitch Hurwitz and Richard Day and directed by uh, John Fortenbury. I believe I've spoken about um, most of those people before now. The introduction of um, Rita Leeds and to a lesser extent the introduction of Uncle Trevor. Kind of, actually kind of equal here, but I think the, the kind of the main focus of this episode is all about introducing us to Oscar winner Charlie Theron yeah. on a, on a Fox sitcom that had been moved to a Monday night and was basically getting like nothing in the ratings. And that's such a, like, such an odd kind of like fact that she would do the show. Right. She's, she's a movie star and like, she's everything. She's, She's probably one of the best actresses of her time, and she's like this big movie star, so it's incredible that she did that. Yes, agreed. I... It's it's one of those things, like, um, I th- I mean, I th- I think possibly maybe like a, uh, a year and a half or so before this, Brad Pitt uh, was on like an episode of Friends. He was, yep. That's right. And at the time, that was like crazy because you're like, Brad Pitt basically like never does television. Yeah. And yet here, here he is on an episode of Friends. And, and it, it, watch, even now, like watching it, you know, like, I don't know, 12, 13 years later, you're like, that's so weird. Brad Pitt was on an episode of like, you know, an NBC sitcom. Um, and I, I think this is kind of in that same level where you're like, Charlie Theron has, I, I mean, to to my knowledge, she's never really done television. No, I don't um, think so. Certainly before or since this. And, and so here she is, just just like doing a guest spot. Around this time, um, I, maybe a little later, remember, um, I don't know if you watched a lot of Will and Grace, but they started to get into some uh, stunt casting towards the end where I think um, Matt Damon, I think Michael Douglas, they, they brought a whole bunch of guest stars in there. I, in fact, I think that was one of the things that kind of, like after the first couple of seasons of Will and Grace, one of the things that kind of hurt it a bit was the almost constant like yeah. rotation of of these like huge names, and you would think to yourself, well, you know, why is the show called Will and Grace if those exactly. are the two characters that are like the least important? <laughs> um, I do remember NBC doing quite a bit of that, but um, I mean, Charlie Theron for Arrested Development, considering where they were, I mean, yeah. it's just a huge get. Um, so, but. Um, before we get into the episode, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna ask both of you, uh, questions that I ask everyone. Now, f- um, for the last kind of, I don't know, 10, 15 episodes, we've had a lot of people returning, so I, we haven't really had the need to ask this question very often. Uh, but you're, this is both your debuts on this, uh, podcast, so, uh, I'm gonna ask you when you came to the show, you know, did you watch it when it was on Fox? Did you catch it on DVD? Did you, did you end up watching it on Netflix? Uh, and I'm going to start with uh, Tim. I picked up the DVDs for seasons one and two, uh, like right after season three had started. So I blew through all of them and then watched. I think I think the only ones I watched on TV were like the four that they dumped against the opening ceremonies of the Olympics. <laughs> that was that was quite the move from Fox, where they're like, "We love this show so much." Uh, Here's an entire night of just this show, and it's the last four episodes, and that's it. It's over. Yep, yep. Uh, and and since then, I've rewatched it a, a million times. 
so, as we all have. Um, it's strange because I was really big fan of the of the Larry Sanders show, and um, and his character in that, and I'm blanking on his name of all people. Um, hey now, Hank Kingsley. Yes, Hank Kingsley. I think is one of yeah. the greatest characters in television history. And um and at the same time I was also a huge fan of Mr. Show. So there being a show with both um David Cross and um Hank Kingsley. What's the actor's name? Jeffrey oh God, Tambor. I'm getting, I'm getting old. Um <laughs> Jeffrey Tambor. Yeah, and um so that they're in the show together. I was definitely excited to watch this and I I definitely caught caught it when it first came on but I uh I hate to throw her under the bus but my ex-wife wasn't a big fan so I didn't watch a lot of it so uh it wasn't until later when I bought the DVDs and watched it again and and it is a show like The Simpsons which rewards you for watching there is so many little things in the show which makes this a perfect idea for a podcast yes yeah. Oh man, I, I I caught things watching this episode that I had never caught before, and I've seen it yeah. probably seven or eight times. I was going to say I usually find that at least once during an episode of any of the this podcast, someone will be like, "Oh, I've only just got that joke right now." <laughs> yeah, um, so that's that's a quite a common occurrence. So let me give you the summary then for this episode, um, as it is on TV Guide. Um, uh, Oscar winner Charlie Theron plays an English woman who <laughs> figures in Michael's attempts to help his father, who claims to be framed by uh, British builders. Um, now, it's worth noting that the, the previous episode, uh, The Cabin Show, it finished with um, George Michael and Michael in the cabin, like going to sleep, uh, ready to, you know, spend some time in the cabin the next day. Um, and then the on the next found them like woken up um by George Senior driving the cabin um you know that had been loaded onto this this uh, this this truck um driving away now the previously on here that starts this episode out um it actually uses different takes of the conversation um that that um that, that Michael and and um and George Michael have because they they talk about a um, a stupid girl problem. Yes. Um, and and uh, of course Michael says I don't even have a girl, much less a stupid one. And then of course George Michael is like, no, the the problem's not stupid. It, like the girl, the problem is stupid. The girl isn't stupid. Now the conversation they had like on the you know at the end of the previous episode was about how they were going to turn Pop Pop in and how you know they were going to take him back to jail and. There's, there was, it was like a completely different conversation, and there was a brief mention of you know there being a problem with a girl, but it it wasn't that joke. Um, so it's quite interesting that they basically yeah. they do a, like a slightly different, as if the the on the next didn't happen. Though we then find out, of course, you know, because they they go back to the you know we're going to take Pop Pop down to prison, and that's going to be fun. And then the narrator tells us that Pop Pop had other plans, and you see. <laughs> You know, Michael uh, awakened to see his camping trip going south, um, and the, the the thing is here is like in the in the previous episode, um, George Senior had said, you know, like um, you fought, you know, you finally got to see the cabin. How'd you like it? You know, obviously referring to the the joke about him, you know, not taking uh, uh, Michael to the cabin. Whereas here, they they do probably one of my favorite kind of. You know, weird jokes, uh, where George Senior says that he, 
He doesn't want to go back to prison. He wants to stay with his dear love Lucille. In the twilight of her face. Yes. <laughs> which is which is like such a such a weird kind of line. Um and then and then of course, you know, um you know, we find out that Michael doesn't send his father back to prison. Uh, obviously, I think because they'd already got rid of the prison sets, you know, like a couple of years ago, and so obviously they weren't going to be using that set again. But instead, uh, he he's placed under house arrest, and you know, this is where Lucille gets very excited about um, how close she's going to be with George. And of course, this is where the narrator tells us he goes, which made this woman his warden. Um, and then, of course, George says, "Send me back to prison. You better send me back to prison." <laughs> And then Michael, uh, in probably the last kind of call out to the joke, which, you know, was quite long running in season yeah. one, he says... More touching! <laughs> More touching. Um, and, then, and then, of course, you know, the, the sign of a sitcom that is has got episodes running long, we get the cut-down title sequence where it just has the the guitar sting and then the, do, the do, words do, 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 yeah that's it they they don't bother and i i think the thing is um i said on a, a couple of episodes but the introduction here of rita and this like run of five or six episodes with her in is possibly my favorite run of the whole show because it, from episode to episode it just runs as one you could almost like watch it like a film it just it runs like one kind of like two hour long story um mm -hmm. some of which doesn't make sense because some of the stuff from episode to episode, like the motivations of the characters is played oh, yeah. for jokes in one. And then when they explain it, it doesn't make any sense as to what they were doing in the previous episode. Um, some of which we can kind of touch upon in this episode, but I just, I just really like that whole kind of like storyline. Um, and obviously Charlie Theron is so good in this role. So, but I don't know how you guys feel about kind of like the start of this story, uh, especially as if you've watched the show, and, you know, obviously the, the, I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it, uh, but like the Mr. F stuff, I mean. Yeah, yeah it's the, do people, people feel like the third season is where it got a little too wacky, right? I've yeah. That, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the Netflix season as well. Um, it is silly, but it's, I, I don't know. The writing is strong. Like you said, that line that, uh, the twilight of her face. Come on. You don't see that in <laughs> everyday TV. Yeah. No, I know, I know people have kind of criticized the third season as, as not, not up to par with the first two, but it, it's, it's always really worked for me. I mean, I mean, just the, the jokes are so dense. I hadn't watched an episode in a couple of years before I watched this one the other night and I was just laughing straight for the whole running time because it's just so good i had just I mean, forgotten it's like an all-star team too it's you know if you look at a show like this like the the actors they have and and the characters that they created once you've created these characters who are just so that you're locked in on what this character is it seems like it's easy for to write the jokes for him and mitch herwitz did the same with golden girls i think too it's it's you know those characters are so defined well defined and it just becomes a joke machine after a while. Well, I mean, let's start where we get after we get the the brief title sequence. Um, we we get to everyone discussing. Um, I mean, almost kind of. Uh, I mean, the cabin show was entertaining enough. Obviously, you know, everyone had to try and get to that musty old claptrap. Um, <laughs> but but in this episode, it feels a little bit like the the kind of the, the second episode of season two, where it's kind of resetting what the show is going to be about. And obviously the house arrest is an important part of that. 
and we start to lean heavily on the idea that George Senior is a patsy and he was set up by someone. And at the start of the sh- at the start of this season, it, it it's it's said that it's British builders, and you know that's what that that's what prompts us to go to Wee Britain and all that kind of stuff. Um, but by the time we get to the fight, you know, like the penultimate episode of the season, we'll find that all this British builder stuff, I don't know, seems like a red herring. Um, but it's it's kind of fun when it starts. But once we get to the penthouse, we have um, Buster, um, you know, who with the return of his father and it's worth noting there was an episode where we saw a brief flashback to you know moments before the pilot started where um george senior had kind of like threatened to throw buster out as soon as he was retired so the fact that buster is essentially being neglected now that george senior has returned kind of makes sense and you know buster he's he no longer has the hook he has his his um his hand uh, which for some reason at this point is missing and I, I always like this thing where, you know, Buster is like, um, you know, he goes, he goes, I'm like the invisible man. And he holds his, like, <laughs> his stump up and he goes, hello, can anyone see me? <laughs> As if the hand is meant to be there. So it's almost like it's an invisible hand. And it's like such a weird little, like, quick joke. Um, and, and of course, you know, bothers, Buster's like, why, why even bother getting dressed up? You know, as if putting a hand on his, this is like one of the kind of running jokes. About people having a uh, people having a type, where you know Michael suggests to Buster that he he gets a, a well he goes to say girlfriend and then he stops and goes a pet and then of course Buster's like how about a turtle and Michael's like great and then huh. I, I love uh, Tony Hale's delivery of I've always loved those leathery little snappy faces <laughs> and uh, Michael of course says you certainly have a type <laughs> <laughs> the implication of course being. Uh, that Lucille has a, a leathery, snappy face. She's entering just as they say it, too. So mm-hmm. it's, it's yeah. really perfect. Yeah, they they time it perfectly. And of yeah. course, um, this is where we find out that Lucille has been um, using Buster's hand, and it's in the dishwasher. And I love Buster's, you know, kind of shouting, uh, "Can't you keep my hand to yourself?" <laughs> such, a, <laughs> such a such an odd line. Uh, and of of course, you know. Um, Lucille, this has been a common theme where if Lucille has any kind of um, sexual agency and and, ex- and expresses it, uh, it makes Michael sick. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know when she when she asks, you know she's she 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 has a man in her life and she asks him, guess what what is back? And of course Michael goes, my breakfast. <laughs> and Lucille says, no, my friskiness. And then of course, in, in an echo of something that George Senior once said, she goes, I'm a horny man. Yeah. <laughs> this it reminded me of uh I believe it was early in season one when Lucille winks strangely at Michael and he says, I wonder what yeah. I can get you to do to never make that face again. <laughs> yeah. And she does that as well in season two when she winks at him and he goes, Yeah, the jury's gonna love you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, and of of course, uh, this is this is where Michael says he's amazed that uh, Dad hasn't strangled himself with his belt. And of course, Lucille says that they're into all kinds of freaky stuff. <laughs> and I like that Michael then says, "Why do I eat breakfast before I come here?" <laughs> <laughs> and I like how that 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 line is actually a quick little setup for a joke when Job enters. Um, and of course, you know he's bringing in a uh, you know a cage. Uh, which may or may not have a, a mirror that can be uh, quickly popped up so that someone can hide behind it. Um, and, of course, Job is saying he's going to perform one grand illusion uh, before Dad strangles himself with a belt. And, of course, Michael goes, 
Oh no, they're into that. Um... <laughs> when he's describing the trick, they they cut to David Cross to Tobias, and he's got this look of awe on his face, which just gives <laughs> yeah. me like makes me so happy. It's just so it's I love David Cross and Tobias. It's just such a great role. In addition to introducing uh, Charlie Steron in this episode. This episode also introduces the hair plugs to Tobias. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, which, which becomes one of the, the more kind of, uh, important storylines. And that actually, it doesn't conclude until after Rita's storyline has finished. Uh, so it's kind of like an interesting little thing that they, they keep it going for like an episode longer. Um, and of course it leads into the whole, um, you know, charity thing at the prison. Yes, the graph um, versus host. Indeed. And, um, I like Job explaining the trick where he says, The illusion is called free bird. A magical <laughs> bird, me in a beak, stands on a platform. There's a puff of smoke, and I'm gone. Then seconds later, high above in a once empty cage, who should appear? And then of course Lucille <laughs> gives it away by saying, A guy that kind of looks like you? And he's like, No. Not how I do the trick. And even if it was, how did I even get up there? And of course, Michael <laughs> drops drops the, the the kind of mirror that's in the thing, and he goes, "He was hiding behind this mirror." And of course, Joe's like, "No." And I love how, like, a theme that's been going on with Joe throughout the whole series is he has a habit of giving away how tricks are done, and he's basically done that in trying to explain this trick, but without really giving it away. Everyone just keeps you make it. You know, it's a really easy trick for people to guess, basically. Um. And of course, this is where Tobias comes in with the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the news that, um, he's looking for a marker, a magic marker. Magic. And then of course, <laughs> he, he leaves to go into a different room. Um, and of course, uh, Job labels this, um, a spectacular protest, a protestacular. Um, which, which of course, uh, Tobias, when he returns, will mispronounce. Um, and, you know, I, I like that, um, that, that we, we get a call back here. And again, a, another storyline kind of starting back up, you know, properly. Uh, we had a little hint of it in the, in the previous episode where, you know, Steve Holt and Job ended up, uh, in, um, in Reno, Nevada. Um, but here, uh, you know, Michael says, instead of trying to impress a father who couldn't care less, uh, why don't you try spending some time with your son who's dying to reconnect to you? Um, and, and of course, this is where we get a, a quick cut back to, um, uh, to Job and he's, um, he's hiding in the cage. And of course, Steve Holt comes by and, 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 you know, he, he leaves. Um, and Tom, who is the, the one who, you know, uh, helped Job hide. Um, he gets treated to a vitamin from Joe. And the weird thing is, this is, this is a, this is a joke that actually won't pay off for another, like, couple of episodes, uh, until we get to, uh, Forget Me Now, um, which might even be the next episode, actually. Um, be because we don't know what that is that, that Job is actually, um, you know, giving him. He just says it's a vitamin and then we cut away. <laughs> Um, but obviously we'll find out later that he's basically, uh, roofing people so that he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't remember. This is where Tobias re-enters, um, because, you know, Michael, Michael says, you know, he, he you know, his, Job says that, um, you know, Steve Holt couldn't see him. And Michael says, because he was hiding in the trick. And then of course, Tobias, in his best <laughs> Job voice, corrects him by saying, Illusion, Michael. <laughs> I, I just find it so funny that, you know, then, to, of course, Tobias immediately, 
you know, changes protest tacular into prostate ticular. <laughs> um, and you know, he wants he wants to be he wants to be a leading man. Um, and <laughs> I love how Job is like, uh, you know, it, it's not really done that way. And of course, Tobias is like, I guess I shouldn't have used that permanent marker. <laughs> and then he just kind of like wanders off. Um, uh, just as Lindsay enters, um, and, you know, in the previous episode, uh, you know, Lindsay had been, you know, what, now that the company is a, is up to a don't buy, um, she had wanted to uh, get a car, um, and, you know, <laughs> Lindsay has changed from wanting the Volvo to wanting a Lexus rather than getting divorced, um, which, you know, obviously she was planning on doing after uh, the whole kind of, debacle with uh, Kitty and the Blue Man group and, and all of that um, and, and once again we get, a, we get a reference to Michael's relationship where, where of course you know Lindsay says you're one to talk you haven't had a serious relationship since your wife and you guys weren't even speaking towards the end and I like how Michael's just like a lot of that was the coma right. um, and, and Lindsay's well I've heard your side yes. of it. Was it was it earlier was it in season 2 when Tobias says, uh, oh, Michael, you're the big expert on relationships. Oh, that's right. Your wife is dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't season two. Oh, man. That, that's so dark. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, now, it's weird because, like, the idea that Michael somehow hasn't had any relationships is not true because over the course of the series, we've seen him with, you know, Sally Sitwell and Maggie Liza uh, and Miss Bailey. Um, like he he's had you know, uh, and obviously Marta. So he's had at least like four relationships in you know. When we get to the end of the show, we'll find out that the, the entire events of the original series occurred over a year. So that's within the space of a of like less than a year. He's had like four quite serious relationships. So I'm not quite sure why this this comes about, but it 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 will prompt literally everybody in the family to uh, do a dance very shortly. <laughs> but uh, it's just it's just so it's, so it's just so weird that Lindsay says you haven't had the guts to meet someone else when he has quite clearly had a number of relationships. Bluth family uh, they are known for making very very pointed comments. You know the the things that they know that's gonna kind of rub the person the wrong way the most so maybe they knew that michael would be sensitive to this so or for being enormously self-absorbed so maybe they just <laughs> didn't even notice what's going right. on with another one of them that's true that could be true yeah although obviously you know Job for a few episodes after you know the whole martyr stuff went down he did harbor some bitterness towards michael <laughs> uh, so at the very least he noticed that one thing um, now we get some some kind of uh, some weird like meta commentary here, where um, you know George Senior in discussing his case, he, I, I love how he he describes his situation where he says in prison, uh, he goes there you just had to shut your eyes and take it. Here you have to shut your eyes and give it. <laughs> I I like that George Senior says that we need to have you know our own private matlock, and so I made some calls and I got him. And I like how Michael's like got who, and he's like Andy Griffith. I like the description of what Matlock, you know, what Andy Griffith is willing to to kind of do. Uh, you know, for ten grand he'll just sit in court and read the paper. For fifteen he'll sit at the defense table, and for two thousand he'll twice <laughs> lean forward and whisper something in your ear. 
and the white suit that's extra. Now, I've never seen an episode of Matlock. I only know of Matlock because of The Simpsons and yep. because every every old person on The Simpsons just screams Matlock like over and over again, <laughs> like quite loudly. Um, so it's such a kind of odd joke for me because I'm like, I, I don't know what they're really talking about. But though I understand, you know, like he gets a... Um, he he wears a white suit and he's um, I don't know is he like an attorney or something I, don't, I, I yeah he's like a like a foxy old lawyer okay basically yeah okay yeah well, I, I never I, saw it uh, but George George Senior's line reading of he'll lean forward and whisper something in your ear is one of my favorite things <laughs> and of course here you know like uh, you know Michael talks about how that's a, a stupid idea we we you know he he says that they're gonna plead guilty and this is where George Senior has a bombshell, um, to which Michael says Andy Griffith wasn't the bombshell, and he says that he was a patsy. He was set up by the Brits, and this is the start of a another kind of running meta joke where he says a group of British builders operating outside the OC, and of course Michael interjects with, <laughs> "Don't call it that." Um, he says contacted me for a partnership to build homes overseas. Um, now, I spoke about this in the pilot with uh, Patrick Hamilton and Benjamin Sunday, but uh, the OC pretty much started at the same time as Arrested Development, and um, it basically has like, almost exactly the same premise as Arrested Development, except that, um, you know, the the, the father um, in uh, at the OC doesn't go to prison until the second season. Um, he, you know, he's he's a corrupt uh, builder. Um, you know, he has this this quite large family, um, and they're, they're. I mean, you know, obviously, Orange County is very near to where um, the Blues live, and in obviously the OC that was where they lived. Um, but it was weird that there were two shows about d- property developers in California yeah. that were on at the same time on the same network. Um, and obviously they went in very different directions with, you know, what they did. Um, but, you know, the, the OC managed to last four seasons before getting cancelled rather than three seasons before getting cancelled. Um, it's like boy. the strangest version of the Armageddon Deep Impact or Volcano yeah. Dante's Peak <laughs> phenomena. Yes, or Bugs Life and Ants. Oh, or, yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 1492 so, oh, oh. and the other Chris, uh, Christopher Columbus movie, I can't remember. Um, that's right. Uh, oh, I can't remember now. <laughs> 1492 was the Ridley Scott one, wasn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah, it is that it is that weird thing of like two shows with roughly the same premise. Uh, but I just, I just like how uh, Michael is, you know, whenever they mention the OC and he's like, don't call it that. It just it just feels like a direct jab at a <laughs> yes. show that at this particular time was actually still quite successful, though obviously, you know, it would only really last one more year and then it would be gone itself. Um, uh, and then, of course, you know, Andy Griffiths, of course, is uh, is also a, a, you know, a, a reference to the fact that Ron Howard, um, from what I understand, was on the Andy Griffiths show many, yes. many years ago as a child. And, you know, so obviously later on, we get a call out from the narrator to Andy Griffiths. Um, but you know, the talk of him is 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 kind of uh, you know deliberate, um, and you know we find out that George Senior was blackmailed by you know having a, a picture uh, with Saddam Hussein, uh, to which of course George <laughs> Senior says, 
I thought it was the guy who played the soup Nazi. Um, <laughs> and I, I told him I loved his work. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I think the guy who played the, like the actor who played the soup Nazi, if I'm not much mistaken, I think he does actually appear in a, an episode of Arrested Development later on as one of the Saddam Hussein doubles. Uh, oh, but I might amazing. be misremembering that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and of course, this is where we get a bit of commentary for what is a very 2004 joke um, where, you know, George Sr. says a picture like that can end your career, Michael. And of course, they cut to a picture of um, <laughs> Donald uh, Rumsfeld. Yeah, Donald Rumsfeld with shaking hands with Saddam Hussein. Of course, Michael says not in every case. <laughs> Um, and I, I, I mean, I don't feel like I really kind of do the commentary about British people because I don't feel that what George says is accurate. So if any one of you guys want to <laughs> say the line that George says about, you know, um, British people, what does he say? Oh, they're polite and the men all sound gay, but they will rip out your heart <laughs> <laughs> and their breath. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't feel that's an accurate assessment of British people, but, um, you know, I, and of course, you know, this is this is where Michael, you know, and George Senior, they decide to kind of like go after them. And, and this is where we get kind of the, the culmination, the debut of a, a few things, but the culmination of basically what Job's chicken dance has been building up to uh, for almost a year here, because it was, you know, it was the start of season two that the chicken dance kind of debuted. Um and we see here where George Senior says, you're scared to ask a girl out on a date. And of course, Michael is like, why does everyone think I'm scared of girls? And then, of course, George goes, because you're a chicken. You're a chicken. And then he starts going, <laughs> and then, of course, Lucille, I don't know where she gets this from. Um, but, you know, she she goes, Michael and women? This is where Lindsay, because that's the debut of those two chicken dances, but then Lindsay brings back her, her chicken dance and starts going, chat, chi, chat, chi, chat, chi, chat. And I don't know what these noises are meant to be. Yeah. Um, and we have all three of them doing the dance. And of course, this is where Job, he sees this going on. And this is clearly the moment that he's been waiting for. Um, and he like, he goes, I got the perfect thing! And he just runs out of the room. Of course, that's when Michael puts a, you know, puts a stop to all of the kind of the chicken dances. Lindsay's dance, Lindsay's <laughs> dance is so funny though. Oh my god, she's got her like finger in the air. I mean, it, it, they were so, they're just, their choices for their fake chickens, I, I just tickles me. Has anyone in this family ever even seen a chicken? Ever seen a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I just, I just love it. And of course, you know, this is where Lindsay, he gives the cabin to, um, you know, Michael gives the cabin to Lindsay. Um, so <laughs> when she asks it, Alexis, he says it's more like a Lincoln. <laughs> and then of course, this, just as, just as everybody is basically leaving the room, Job comes in this time with like a, you know, the little beak and everything. You know, and and he starts doing his chicken dance, and of course everyone's left, and then he just goes, "Oh come on!" <laughs> um, and I just I I just love that like this stupid like kind of one-off joke that Job did like a year ago has built up to the point where everybody in the the in the in the family has their own version of the chicken dance, and of course you know we'll hear Michael's chicken impression later on, and that is actually probably the most accurate of all the <laughs> the Bluth chickens. Um, and now we get a very, very odd joke, 
um, that I, I, I mean, even in all the years of watching this episode, I'm not 100% sure is, like, I don't fully understand it, which is this We Britain, which is kind of like a, um, I don't know, it's like a, it's like a weird, like, theme park type thing. I, well, I um, think, uh, I think it's supposed to be more like, uh, Chinatown or, or yeah, like little, LA little Korea, Korea little Italy. Yeah, but in Britain, they would yeah. think Britons would say we, <laughs> you tell me. Yeah, but I mean, that's more of a Scottish thing, really. I mean, uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's saying, saying, saying we meant to, to play on, you know, the, the, the ignorance of the American yes, ignorance of other yes. cultures that they, they even get, they even get that wrong when they're trying to. I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anyway, Michael Michael goes there uh, to the English section of Orange County, as it's described, and of course, um, for some reason, they drive on the other side of the road, even though that's extremely dangerous. And of course, you know, um, you know, someone almost runs into Michael. Uh, he he goes into a a, a sh- you know the the records uh, place and he speaks to uh, Ian, and he says that he wants to check for records of any British-owned businesses. That would have applied for a license ten years ago, and of course, um, Ian says that uh, you'll need a UK passport to check those files. Therefore, British eyes only. And then, of course, we get the sting for British eyes only, um, which, which you know, and and I, I like as well how Michael goes, uh, "Don't I look kind of British?" And you know, when Ian says, "Perhaps if you're willing to lose twenty pounds." Um, you know, to which, of course, Michael, you know, doesn't realize that this is a bribe. And I do love right. Jason Bateman's reading where he goes, you guys do go for the jugular. <laughs> Ian says that if you find someone with a passport, he'll be there to eight and do stay for the poppins. Um, and, uh, you know, Michael goes to a pub, of course, uh, the Yellow Fang. And we get a very strange exchange here where Lionel tells him that the soup of the day is and he asks his mum. What is the soup of the day? And of course she yells, bread. <laughs> and Michael, and then Lionel says, and the soup of the day is bread. Unless you're just here for the poppins. It's, it's, that's such a like strange kind of joke. To me, I, I mean, um, it feels like it's meant to be kind of almost like a Monty Python-y type joke. Like it's kind of very absurd and, I don't know. It's just such a it's such a weird joke to have in this show because this show doesn't generally do this kind of kind of weird kind of off the wall stuff. It it gets cartoony, but it never kind of goes into the absurd. So that whole thing of the soup of the day is bread is right. such a weird <laughs> joke. It's a strange um, one. And of course, we get the introduction here of Charlie Steron. Um and I like how the narrator, he, he tells us that's when Michael saw the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. And then he goes, <laughs> not, not her, her. <laughs> not her. Wait for it. And then of course the woman that we're actually looking at moves out of the way and we see Charlie's there on, um, wearing a hat. Uh, and it's worth bringing up at this point that, um, one of the notes that Mitch Hurwitz had from the executives was that they didn't like Charlie's Theron wearing hats because they didn't think people would recognize her. Um, and so, of course, Mitch Hurwitz decided that he would put um, <laughs> put Rita Leeds in uh, an ever more expanding uh, kind of absurd amount of hats. So <laughs> in every single scene, she's wearing a hat simply because some executive was like, I don't like her in hats. And so Mitch Hurwitz rebelled. 
um, and just 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 start putting hats on her. And of course, the the hats start to like kind of play into the whole spy thing as well. Um, but I just think it's funny that Mitch Hurwitz is like, oh, if you don't like hats, well then order me twenty hats and let's just keep swapping these hats out. <laughs> that's great. I had never heard um, that. <laughs> Yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so it's just to, just to spite this one executive. Um, now, when when describing, you know, uh, Rita Leeds as the most beautiful woman, I think that that is pretty accurate because Charlie Theron is, um, you know, even in this role, uh, something that they'll play on with, a, you know, a, 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 you know, kind of She's out her of beauty Michael's is lead. the thing that yeah. stops people. Yeah, well, there's that, but also that people don't realize what her level of intelligence is simply because of how beautiful she is and right. the accent. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. so it's, so they, they kind of use Charlie Theron's beauty as like a part of a plot device, including later on a, a, a shot to, uh, you know, the, the role that she won the Oscar for. <laughs> um, but I, I like that when, when Michael asks, are you from Wee Britain? Rita's like, Great Britain, actually. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just, it's just like, when when you know about the whole Mr. F thing, you're like, yeah, of course, like she's the the way she's answering the question is is not completely uh, is not completely correct. And then of course, um, we get Michael and what he describes as his worst hello, um, where he says that <laughs> I was wondering if you might be willing to go somewhere with me. I would pay you. <laughs> and then he explains... Not for sex. You're going to think that I'm Jack the Ripper, right? Didn't he kill prostitutes? Or... And of course, Rita's like, I'm not a prostitute. And he's like, then I shall let you live. <laughs> and, like, and I just love Jason Bateman's kind of like nervous line reading of like of all this, this whole introduction. And then, of course, when he stops and he's like... It's my worst. Hello. Let me try again. My name is Michael. It's perfectly awkward. And he does it really well. I and mean, that's, that's Michael Bluth, right? Right there, and um, yeah. why he's such a great actor, yeah. And of course, you know, when he talks about the files being for British eyes only, Rita says, "Lucky for you, my whole face is British." Um, <laughs> which of, which of course, on your on the first watch, seems like she's just saying something kind of uh, charming, um, but once you know what's going on with Rita, you realise that that's. Uh, one of the kind of giveaways uh, about her character there. Yes. And of course, once they get back to the office, um, it's closed uh, because they close at 8 o'clock GMT, um, which in California would be 10 a.m. So um, I don't know when they would open because right. if they if they if they if they stick to like British opening hours, that means that they're they're like opening at like two in the morning, you know, right? ten at night. Yeah, it's 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 such a it's such a weird way to do it. Uh, but of course, you know, this is where Michael asks if Rita will be here tomorrow, and of course, she reveals that she'll be back at Slowbrook. Uh, you know, once again, uh, that's a slight hint there, and Slowbook of is, course, you know, he's that's such a great name for the school. Yeah, once you know, it's pretty much yes. Uh, and she she says, "You teach kids," and of course, Rita, in a very loaded line, says, "I like to think they teach me." Um, <laughs> and you know, he he says like how how to eat crayons, throw tantrums, and I like that. Uh, you know, Michael's kind of being playful here. Um, but obviously Rita takes him very seriously. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, this leads into Jason Bateman saying, um, I didn't mean to impugn your ability or uh, this is turning into one of my worst goodbyes ever. Uh, farewell and uh, Ash paths shan't cross again. 
uh, it's such a uh, such a t- whole terrible kind of. Uh, and then of course, uh, this is where Michael gets hit by the narrator. Kind of, you know, he 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 says um, he, he said the narrator says that it's something that Michael uh, you know remembered before. Um, and of of course, um, you know, it, it, it ends up being the uh, the Poppins, where he says he'd been struck by something that he, he remembered from his childhood. Yes. Um, oh, um, where? Sorry, just to, to hop back for one sec. Where where he says our paths shot cross again? Um, I wonder that that's it's a subtle thing, but it feels like a callback to when uh Mrs. Featherbottom jumps off of the balcony through the coffee table in season two, and he says, we shan't be telling your mother this, shan't we? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, that, that yeah. I, 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 it's this weird thing that, obviously, Americans think British people say all the time. Yeah. Um, which, oh, you yeah, don't? Yeah, it's a nice, a nice callback there. Um, and, and, <laughs> no, I shan't be saying that during this podcast. <laughs> I, I find it funny that, um, you know, We Britain has been around long enough that it existed in Michael's childhood, which at this right. point is probably at least thir- 30 years ago. Um, and I don't know what the, obviously, you know, this is meant to be Mary Poppins. Once again, maybe a little bit of a, a hint to, um, uh, to the whole Mrs. Featherbottom thing. Um, as, you know, all the Poppins does is basically zip line down and hit someone <laughs> and then it goes back up. And of course, that you hear like um, a PA say, you know, announcing that, um, you know, come back in an hour's time for the poppins again. It's like, seriously, that's all it does is it just zip lines <laughs> down and hits someone yeah, and right. goes back up and, and then you wait an hour. I was like, I don't, I don't know how that's an attraction, but, uh, it's funny that Ian wanted Michael to stay for the poppins. Um, of course, you know, uh, Rita, you know, she, she says, she laughs at, at Michael getting hit. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, Michael wants to come by and um, pick up Rita, who, of course, says that she will sneak out at nap time. Um, and, and then, of course, he finishes by saying, and I shall drop you off alive, hooker or no. <laughs> and, then he, and then he just <laughs> walks away, like, mouthing to himself, like, what is he saying? And I just think it's it's quite funny, um, you know, that, uh, that that Michael is kind of... He, I mean, I could understand it because I, I, I dare say, if I was anywhere near Charlie's Theron, I would find it, you know, difficult to get a full sentence out myself. Um, but I just love the kind of um, the nervousness that takes over Michael that he, he basically ends up kind of going on these really weird kind of digressions <laughs> rather than just saying stuff. Say, I had heard like horror stories. You were saying like you'd been so nervous to talk to her, and I'm not. I'm. I think they're both beautiful, but I had heard this really this interview with. Um, my God, my brain is not, like I go on fa- on podcasts and my brain doesn't stop work. My brain stops working. Who's the actress from <laughs> Pitch Perfect? The um uh, and Anna Kendrick. Up, Anna Kendrick says that she she yeah. gets so many creepy like uh, guys that approach her because they feel somehow she's approachable. Like she is, she is the one that said because her, you know, her level of beauty might not be on the same as like a Charlize Theron, who people are like just so afraid to approach. Like they're like this other being, but like Anna Kendrick will get all the creepy guys asking her to like marry them and stuff. Totally unrelated. Yeah. But. <laughs> <laughs> now this is where we get Tobias, who you know he still wants to be part of Job's trick for some reason. I don't know why, um, but he decides to go to a uh, a shop. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, um, 
he's the narrator tells us that he'd stumbled into um years earlier um as the the proprietor of it coco uh says you know look who's back um and then of course says are you going to buy this time or are you just curious and of course tobias says uh i'm i suppose i'm by curious yeah. Um, and then he talks about how he has a big TV opportunity. Um, and Coco lets us know this is where all the big TVs come. Um, obviously, uh, TV being, uh, short for transvestite, something which Tobias, uh, I'm guessing doesn't know, but, uh, I don't believe that to be completely true. And he decides to start with the Eve Arden. Um, now, we all know what Job's hair looks like. And so I don't know why he would think that, you know, a wig that looks like an Eve Arden would be appropriate to disguise himself as Job. But, uh, you know, I guess that's, that's, that's where they start. And we get the final, uh, you know, debut of a chicken impression here where, uh, you know, Michael calls up Lindsay to say that, um, you know, he he's met a woman and he's got a date and he's not a chicken. And then he goes, <laughs> of course, as he does the last cluck, uh, there's a horn honking. And of course, that causes him to kind of like kind of screaming out a little bit. Um, and I like that Lindsay's like, OK, that's a pretty good chicken. Um, <laughs> as if that was that was why the call was being made was to do an impression of a chicken. I like the implication there that like Michael has probably been going on for a little while about how bad their chicken impressions are. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, you know we see um, Uncle Trevor, um, who's you know driving next to Michael, and he he puts up his phone number. The great Dave Thomas. Yes, it's worth noting in this episode, obviously, that, um, and this is something that, that they will call out in a meta commentary in the later episode, um, uh, but that both the British characters are played by, well, I mean, Dave Thomas is obviously Canadian, um, and, yeah. and, uh, Rita is played by a South African, uh, so neither of them are British, um, and this, no, yes. this might be a little bit of a kind of a nod towards the fact that, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Will Arnett and um, Michael Sarah are also both Canadian. Um, so there's there's quite a bit of kind of people not being American and not being British playing Americans and, and Brits in this particular episode. Yeah, I love seeing Dave Thomas. I, I loved seeing Dave Thomas. I don't know if you guys um, ever got to watch any of SCTV. They used to play it, I think, on Comedy Central when I was a kid. And um, he, he's very funny. He actually uh, shows up on the comedy Bang Bang TV show as Scott Ackerman's father. (laughs) Now, I'm really he's very good in that. I'll tell you where I know Dave Thomas from. um, And that is uh, the sitcom that had that Southern lady in. Uh, I can't remember the name. Brett Butler. Grace Under Fire. Grace Under Fire. That is it. Yes. Um, and I yep. think she was even, her character was romantically involved with his character. Possibly. Yeah, or I Possibly. distinctly remember his character, like, pestering her character and trying to get involved with her. Um, <laughs> so that's... He does play Sleezoids a lot. Yeah, um, but he debuts here by holding up a series of cards that have a mobile number on. Um, you know, the joke obviously <laughs> being that all of our phone numbers are super long. Um, but you know, with the, with the kind of international code, obviously it's going to be a lot longer. Uh, they, <laughs> they pull over and, um, you know, Trevor is like, I know what you're doing back there. And if you've got half a brain, you'll leave it alone. Um, and of course, you know, Trevor says, uh, you know, you, you're asking too many questions. 
Um, would you like someone going after some stupid person in your family? <laughs> now that is the biggest. That is the biggest hint towards the reveal with Rita. Back up, you pons. The weirdest thing is, of course, is at this particular point. This is where Michael is like, "Wow, Dad was not kidding about their breath," <laughs> and that leads the narrator to say that Michael had just been threatened by a foul-mouthed British man, uh, which is some of the some of the great <laughs> wordplay that they put into Arrested Development. There, um, you know, Michael returns to the office, and I love this little bit. Um, and this is, there was kind of a bit of a longer, you know, there's a bit of a cutscene around this scene and it just went on a little bit longer, mostly with some jokes about Leonard Skinnerd. Um, but you know, Michael knocks on the door and Job says he's Michael. And of course, Michael has to go, Job, this is Michael. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously that saying that it's Michael, you know, obviously works for all but one person. Um, and of course, this is where Job says that he couldn't get the rights to Freebird, and we the narrator would have told you in a cutscene that uh, you know, no, actually I don't think it's a narrator. I think it was actually Job where he says, uh, you know, apparently he spoke to some lawyers and Leonard Skinner had done gun copyrighted, um, <laughs> which is a kind of a nice way of putting it. And of course, uh, this is where Job says, "I'm thinking about calling it Free." I don't know, Chicken, <laughs> which um, is a nice setup for a joke later on. Um, and then, of you know, this is where Michael starts to believe that Dad is telling the truth. Um, and, and, of course, you know, I like that Job says you came back here to hide like a child. And, of course, <laughs> Michael's like, what are you doing in my office? And Job goes, hiding from a child. Big difference. Um, <laughs> and, um, and, and, and this is where we get like a really weird kind of joke where Job kind of confronts his feelings <laughs> where... Um, he says, uh, Steve Holt is your son. You're probably, he probably just feels a connection. And of course, Job goes, he doesn't know what he feels. I'm tired of being told. My God, what is this feeling? And of course, I like that Michael explains it by saying, the feeling that you're feeling is what many of us call a feeling. A feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, this is, this is where he says, you know, he's, he's not, um, He's not angry or hungry. <laughs> uh, no, he says he's not. He's not envy or, or hungry. And of course, Michael goes, "Could it be love?" And I love how he goes, you "Know what an erection feels like, Michael." And then he talks about how his heart is getting hard, uh, uh, and how he's ready to be a father. And of course, this is where when when George Michael goes, "Hey, Dad," we see Job kind of leap behind the the sofa to like hide, and uh, Michael just has to go, "It's my son, Job." Um, and, and of course, you know, this is where Michael figures out that, you know, maybe, uh, George Sr. was trying to deceive him in some way. Um, and he just basically leaves the office and, and leaves George Michael behind. Um, and so I'm not quite sure why George Michael was at the office. Um, yeah. But, uh, maybe just for that one little joke about Job. Um, and of, of course, um, you know, this is this is where Tobias goes, Michael, hey, and does his his impression of Job once again, and of course Job says that's a woman's wig, and Tobias goes, I was told it was a bot, <laughs> um, which <laughs> which of, which of course it is, uh, and you know we have a confrontation between Michael and his father, um, uh, and obviously you know looking into the you know the British connection. And we get here probably the biggest like uh, meta commentary on the episode. Um, you know, Arrested Development was nominated for a Best Emmy for Comedy Series three years in a row. It won the first year. Um, in the second year, it lost to um, uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. 
and you know a number of the actors were nominated and and uh, and won some awards um but in particular um George Senior, as played by Jeffrey Tambor, lost out to Brad Garrett on Everybody Loves Raymond for Best Supporting Actor yeah. Emmy. And so, of course, as as George, you know, is pretending or maybe, you know, really is worried that someone threatened Michael, um, he says, that's a wonderful performance, Dad. You're a regular Brad Garrett. But I don't watch TV at three in the afternoon and you can forget about pleading not guilty. Um, and, of course, this is where, you know, they decide they're going to have to throw themselves on the mercy of the court and they're going to have to get Andy Griffiths. And they say Andy Griffith in the suit, um, which I think is quite interesting. Um, you know, they're, they're willing to go that, that, that extra mile to, uh, to, to pay for it. Um, and Michael goes back to see Rita and, um, you know, says he doesn't need a passport. They're going to plead guilty. And Rita says, so it's bye bye to Rita then, which of course, you know, before you've watched this a second time, you realize, you know, it's that sounds like her just being charming. But of course, um, it, it is not. You know, he goes to shake her hand goodbye and she says, I wouldn't. It will make you blue. And of course, the narrator reveals that Rita was just talking about the finger paint. But Michael didn't know that. <laughs> and of course, once again, Michael, um, you know, decides that he, he will, uh, you know, he's gonna, he says, I, I was wondering if you might bid me a fair morrow. And then <laughs> he goes to leave. The narrator tells us that he was filled with self-loathing. If he'd been Jack the Ripper, he would have soothed himself in a most unsavory way. And then this is one of my favorite things that they do in the show where he says, but he just sat in his car and ate a whole finger candy beans. <laughs> and I just, I like that they don't have like a specific thing to refer to how many candy beans it is or like what the package is or it's just the they whole just call thing. it a thing. Yeah. And that's something that they will kind of call back to in, in later episodes where they'll talk about a whole thing. Uh, George Senior has an idea uh, to escape from ostensibly the, the threat of the, the, the British developers um, where he, you know, he's going to be the one to be in the cage. And of course, Joe thinks that this is because George wants to be a part of the trick. But obviously, it's just because he wants to escape. Um, <laughs> and he's like... Um, He's like, uh, you know, you put Tobias in the cage, and then when they, by the time they realise that guy's not me, I'll be running through the storm drains to freedom. And this is where, this is where Job says, every day, where every day it rains, pennies from heaven. And <laughs> instead of pennies shooting out, a bird flies out of his jacket, and he goes, oh, it was a bird today. <laughs> this is where Tobias debuts his, um, his new hairstyle. Uh, saying that, uh, I know you're, you're looking for a twin, and there's someone I'd like to put a plug in for. And he goes, make a correction. That's 4,000 plugs. And he takes off his hat <laughs> to reveal a head that is covered in hair and blood. Um, <laughs> to which Lupe. <laughs> Drips Lupe, of dried blood coming from the top of his head. Yeah. yeah, to which Lupe, as she runs out of room, screams, oh, Mr. Gay, he's bleeding! Mr. Gay! Oh, man. <laughs> It's and the thing is, obviously, this this joke starts out very small here, and then kind of builds throughout the rest of the season. Um, but I just I just love, I just love as well how Tobias talks about how you know he uh, he can taste those meaty leading man parts of his mouth. <laughs> and of course, George Senior is willing to have Tobias be part of the trick. Tobias and Job, the two people who. Uh, you know, both shared time with him in prison, 
uh, both ending in fairly disastrous ways, and both of whom he does not really like at all, and has kind of made that very clear from the start. Um, and he's relying on them to help break him out uh, at the courthouse. And of course, uh, you know, I'm finding out that, um, you know, he, he he's going to have to now play George Sr. Tobias says, that would mean I'd have to shave my very tender head. <laughs> uh, and he goes, well, I, I, perhaps I, I jumped the gun on those new headshots. And of course, we see the classic Tobias headshots, but this time... They have a bleeding head on top of them. <laughs> the idea of um, him getting those headshots just amazes me. No reality. <laughs> With his bleeding scalp, but he like went straight from the hair plugs. <laughs> it's amazing. And then we get to, you know, the kind of the big set piece of this episode, um, which involves everybody. Um, you know, in particular, um, you know, Lindsay kind of ribbing Michael once more for uh, you know, not going out for a date. Um, and, and of course, this is where we find out that, um, it, that, that there is a, that for some reason, John Beard is moonlighting on the Wee BBC, um, where he talks about a, um, a Mary <laughs> Poppins taking down another tourist, um, and asks, is it the work of the itsy bitsy IRA? <laughs> um, which, I mean, <laughs> it's not, that's not a joke in particularly good taste. Uh, I mean, at the time, I think actually the IRA had already signed their ceasefire and we had the, you know, the Good Friday Agreement. So, but still, I mean, um, you know, that's a terrorist organization. Come on, America. <laughs> but yeah, so obviously Michael feels that he's not in Rita's league. Um, and then we find out that they've lost Andy Griffiths. And of course, the narrator says no one was making fun of Andy Griffiths. I cannot emphasize that enough. Is there anything what, behind the scenes to that? Was did they really want to um, to get him for the show, and maybe he he felt like it was making fun of the character? Of him? No, no. I think it was just. I think it's just like a nice in joke, you know, for Ron Howard to be doing. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think there's any. I think if they'd have asked Andy Griffiths, he would happily come on and you know played himself. Yeah. yeah. I, you know. I think. Um, any any time the narrator gets to make. A reference to his being Ron Howard, like an oblique reference, it cracks me up. It was yes. in the uh, in the <laughs> yeah. season one episode, um, uh, public relations, when Michael was dating Jesse, yeah. and she calls George Michael Opie, and Ron Howard <laughs> kind of goes off. <laughs> yeah, That's just one of my favorite things. Of course, they offered the cabin to Andy Griffiths as his trailer, um, and obviously that's that's you know that's what he didn't like. Um, and I, yeah. I like, I like here as, as, um, you know, free chicken starts up, um, Lucille and George approach and Lucille says, Job's doing his magic show. And I like how George goes, um, oh boy, a stupid magic show. We've got to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Lindsay is surprised by the big turnout. And Michael says, I think a lot of people are just here for the free chicken. Um, yeah, the, the, there's a large banner that says free chicken near the presentation. Yeah, the fact that, of course, this is a family that loves to make a banner. Um, <laughs> or take them down if they're in the stair car, of course. Um, and of course, you know, Job asks for a volunteer to go on the journey to the dangling cage. And of course, George says, pick me. Can I be in this stupid sh trick, please? And of course, uh, Job doesn't correct George Sr. because he sees Steve Holt. And obviously, Steve Holt just came to see the magic trick. And I, I love this exchange where, you know, Job says, Do you like magic? And of course, Steve Holt goes, No. I love it. 
And I, I think it's funny that that's the kind of the thing that sways Job, where he, he chooses, he chooses to do the trick himself. And of course, we cut inside the cage. I don't know how they've got a camera in there. I don't know how the documentary crew have done this. Uh, but we see, we see Tobias and he goes, wait, we're back to hair? Um, and we see, we see, um, we see that Tobias tried to have his, um, his uh, plugs cut. But it was too painful. Um, you just see David Cross sitting in a barber's chair, and as they go to comb, he just squ- screams. And I love that uh, Job. You know, he's he's kind of like patter to say this chicken shall be wrongly cooped. And then, of course, the uh, you know the, the 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 puff of smoke as he vanishes. And I I I love as well. Um, you know, that Steve Holt is like, oh my god, Dad, are you all right? And I like how Tobias takes this as you know proof that he's a leading man uh, and a, he starts to do a chicken impression and that's kind of the last chicken impression in the episode uh, and the only time Tobias ever really does the chicken impression the same with um, you know George Senior and um, uh, and Michael they don't really do chicken impressions any other time this is just a, a very chicken heavy episode um, <laughs> and of course uh, we see we see that um, uh, you know um, you know Job um, is running through the storm drains free as a chicken, um, <laughs> which, which, I, which I really like, uh, you know. Um, and as George Senior goes to escape, um, Lucille just um, tases him and um, and explains that it keeps him out of the kitchen. <laughs> and, and once they get inside the court, I love that Harry Hamlin kind of he only has like two lines really in this episode, but the first of them is. I love my trailer. <laughs> um, and for anyone who's ever watched L.A. Law, obviously George Senior just refers to Harry Hamlin as that stud from L.A. Law. I mean, I used to love L.A. Law. Uh, it's one of one of the first kind of like American drama shows that I remember watching when I was younger and kind of um, just, I don't know, it, just, it was really, it was, the stories were very... Uh, like half of half of LA Law was very kind of court based, and the other half was obviously kind of like the lives of the characters, uh, and they kind of really heavily leaned on like the soapy aspects of kind of like the stuff going on behind the scenes with the lawyers. It's it's funny because like, I mean, even by two thousand six when this aired, right? Like LA Law had been off the air for quite some time, right? Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I think it finished if I if I'm remembering right I think it finished sometime around like 94 I want to say right. so at least at least kind of 10 years it'd been off the light, off the off the off the off the air uh, to the point where Jimmy Smith's at this time as this season of arrested development went out was on the west wing as you know, a presidential candidate running against Alan Alder. That's right. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> other actors had basically taken, you know, quite big roles on other shows uh, and, and, you know, had become quite well known for other roles, um, you know, in the decades since L.A. Law was on. Um, but I love that Harry Hamlin is kind of willing to just come in and be himself for just one episode <laughs> and kind of, I don't know, it's just it's just really weird. Um, of course, Michael decides to plead not guilty, which will, you know, keep this going for the the rest of the episode. Um, and, you know, Michael has decided that they're going to fight it. They've got truth on their side. And I love how, as Harry Hamlin exits, he's like, They don't have a prayer. Gosh, no, I lost, right? 
Send the check to my account. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's all Harry Hamlin says. Um, and of course, this is where Michael goes, uh, this is where Andy could have helped us. Um, and, and, and once we're outside, um, you know, we see, um, you know, um, Michael talking with Lindsay and, you know, he says he's, he, you know, he's going to show a little bit of courage. Um, and, and uh, you know, he, he goes to approach, uh, Rita cause obviously she's, you know, turned up, um, at, at the, uh, at the courthouse. And of course, <laughs> Lindsay sees Rita and is like, that's Rita. Wow. She is way out of his league. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I kind of like, um, and of course he then decides that, you know, he's going to ask Rita out. Um, and you know, he, uh, he kisses Rita. And then the narrator lets us know Rita had a secret of her own. And I like how, you know, like she gets into the, the car with, uh, with Uncle Trevor, um, which I, I feel is played up as like a, a, a little bit of a, like as if you didn't realize that he was like related to her. But, but to me, that seemed quite obvious. But, you know, like the way she gets in the car, it's, it seems like they're saying, that this, you know, this is like the first reveal of the secret, but obviously, it that's not the reveal of the secret. <laughs> right. You know, the, the true reveal of the secret won't come for you know, you know, episodes to come. And of course, um, instead of getting a traditional, you know, on on the next, we get, um, you know, Michael Blue for will return in Forget Me Now, <laughs> um, which is the name of the next episode. Um, which you know they they do that for the next I think next two episodes they have like the the kind of the James Bond kind of like ending with the Michael Bluthall returning and the, and the kind of the little um, kind of fade to white with the little uh, the little dot but yeah so you know we don't get to talk about any on the next because there is no on the next um, mm-hmm. you know as well as not having an opening titles this doesn't have effectively like a closing titles um, it it just it just has the you know the forget me now thing so. Is there anything else that you think we need to talk about in this episode? Um, no, I think uh, you hit everything. I think it's a really funny episode. Yeah, though. boy, it's it's just packed. It's so funny. Like, like I said, I hadn't I hadn't watched an episode in a long time, and it was just just a great one to to open with. It's just so so packed with stuff. And I like, of course, that when Michael says to you know giving the cabin to Lindsay, he says. Uh, and watch out for livings. You're going to get livings. <laughs> right. Which, of course, you know, calls back to the whole Hop-Ons thing. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a little moment that's quite funny that you only really notice, uh, you know, like uh, on multiple watches. But um, when they get to the court and Michael says, we're going to um, we're gonna plead guilty, you see a guy with a flashbulb camera. He like, he like, he like takes a picture and you hear someone go, who brought a flashbulb camera in here? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I did catch that this time. Judge Ping is like going, order in the court. Like, and it's just like such a, it's such a weird, like, little background joke that I'm like, yeah, why is the, <laughs> like, why, why has someone got like a, a kind of a classic, like, 1950s, like, you know, flashbulb camera in here? This doesn't make any sense, but. Right. I love the kind of, um, you know, the stuff with uh, Steve Holt that will happen in the next, uh, you know, a few episodes and, you know, with him and, and Job and all that kind of stuff. And I think that, uh, the actor who plays Steve Holt, whose name escapes me at this particular, I think it's just in Lee Wade. Um, I think he does some really good, like, the character of Steve Holt was always just like a, a you know, literally a, a, a two person, like a two word joke. You know, the fact that he just said his name over and over again. Yeah. That was the whole gag of Steve Holt. 
um, and then by adding, you know, Job as his, um, you know, as <laughs> as his son, um, it, it, it's 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 kind of it's kind of interesting that his character becomes a lot like they give it like a certain level of kind of depth where. Uh, you know, Steve Holt wants to have this father figure in his life and he wants to connect with Job, but Job is kind of refusing to acknowledge. I mean, he did say the jury yeah. was out on science, you know, and he's, <laughs> and, and that becomes quite an interesting parallel to kind of the stuff that Job, you know, he's been trying to get his father's approval for decades and he can't get it, uh, ever. Even in this episode, you know, he's only being used, you know, f- for a, for a trick, um, you know, just, just so that he, you know, he can, you know, just so that he can, he can, he can escape. Escape. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. So Arrested Development is a series without a lot of obvious sentimentality, but there's there's some themes in there that that kind of play on that, right? I mean, it's it's this theme of these these sons who have had terrible father figures doing the same to their own sons. It's not played sappily, but it's definitely there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's always a kind of an echo with, I mean, we, we get barely any George Michael in this episode, but you know, there's always that thing of, you know, Michael wanting to spend time with George Michael, but then wanting to, you know, having to take control of the business. And so he, he's always busy. And so he never gets to spend time with him. And of course, you know, George Michael is always working at the banana stand. So he never gets to see his father anyway. So there's, there's always these little kind of, um, you know, echoes. Uh, you know, throughout throughout the kind of this family, and I think it's interesting that that obviously Job, uh, you know, has has got this relationship with George Senior, where George Senior essentially kind of like won't acknowledge anything he does, and the same, and then Job literally kind of copies that and will not acknowledge that Steve Holt is even his son. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I I like the kind of moment where he just says, you know. I I don't I don't like magic. I love it. And I, I think that's interesting. That that's kind of like the way they, well, it's, they do it. It's interesting too because that like the fact that that's there this this father issues thing and and that repeating generation over generation sort of sets up the the real. I mean, I don't want to go into it too much, but like the the real shocking kind of finale of the Netflix season, the the final shot of that is, is really this, this repudiation of, of this like negligent, yeah. selfish father thing in a, in a really kind of shocking way because everybody has just been perpetuating these cycles and it's really a, like a break to it in a way that, that was shocking to me for, for this show. I'm actually, I'm, I cannot think of it. So I'm going to have to rewatch the Netflix series, uh, series season. Cause I, I do not remember <laughs> that. Yeah. I loved it. I especially had Maria Bamford, who I, I love Maria. On the next episode of I Made a Huge Mistake, I'm going to be speaking about Forget Me Now. Uh, hopefully no one will, you know, take any uh, pills and completely forget to listen to it. Uh, my guests will be Drew Stewart and Jim Donahue. Uh, and if there's nothing else to say about this episode, I think we should go to plugs. Uh, I'm going to go to Tim first, if you have anything you wish to plug. I have an Instagram account where I post pictures of my kids and they're pretty cute, so... Dan? Uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Yes, please check out my podcast. My podcast with my brother, Blockbuster Dropouts. Uh, we talk about a movie every week and a top five subject. So, oh, and um, can we follow you on Twitter at all? Yes, yes. Actually, uh, you can follow me personally at Uncle underscore Batman. You can you see me yell at Donald Trump and um, Paul Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I just hope that they they uh, see me condemning them daily. And uh, my uh, for the podcast, you can follow me at, at Blockbuster Drop. 
Great stuff. Well, thanks to both of you guys for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And otherwise, uh, goodbye. Bye. Bye.